She was a tramp when I married her. I didn't know it at first. But I knew it before we were married. That's one of the reasons I enlisted, to get away from her. And I couldn't wait to get out and come back to her. And when I did, she didn't want me. Funny, isn't it? But I still want her. I still love her. You know what I just told you? That's a lie. I see. I'm not her husband. I met her the same as you did at the joint. Can't keep away from her. I want to marry her, and she won't have me. I see. You believe that? Oh, that's a lie, too. I don't love her, and I don't want to marry her. Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, join the discussion at The Rank Podcast on Twitter or X, threads, Instagram, and TikTok on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com or at our email address, uh, therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. That's patreon.com slash The Rank Podcast. And you can check out clips or full episodes on our YouTube channel, The Rank with John and Zach. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. So we were talking about how you download some stuff and then they like ask for a tip and that's annoying. You know, mm. I'd rather just, you. it's either free or you, you know, or charge me. You know, uh-huh. let me ask you this. What do you think of when you're of these companies, these retail companies, when you're like checking out, they're like, would you like to donate a dollar to this thing? Mm. Would you like to donate your change to this? Not a pain in the ass. Like, I fucking hate that. I, I can go donate on my own. You know, I don't need your prompting and I don't need you choosing which one it goes to. And like, they'll be like, oh, do you want to help children today? And it's, what the fuck? Yeah, you're making me not want to help children. I always say, I know. Don't I always make me say, say no. no to that. Yeah, well, I say no, thank you, as though they're doing something for me, and I don't yeah. need it. Oh, no, thanks, I'm good. And uh, I don't know. Usually, gets them to shut up, but it makes me feel a little bit better. Like, like I'm not turning down helping whatever. You want to help homeless puppies? And it's like, oh, who doesn't want to help homeless puppies? Come on. Yeah, no kidding. Like, you know. And plus, okay, do you do you shop at like PetSmart or Petco or any of those? Oh yeah, they always have it, like on the keypad. Mm-hmm. If you want to give to this, and like for a, a long time, I would always be like, I guess so. God, I feel like a shithead. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like looking at you, like I know you're you're. Mm-hmm. You know, if you press no or yes here. Well, I just I I and then I got to a point where I'm like, I've fucking given enough. You know, mm-hmm. like I've bought like three dogs at this point. So yeah. you know, I I've done my part. I'm not rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know who is rich? The owner of the corporation. Just saying. Yeah. You saved the dogs, you billionaire dick. Yeah. No, passing the buck on to us. The consumer, as always. Yeah. When I was, I went to the last time I went to the movies, they did that. I don't, I think they do it usually. Stars of but, Hope. Yeah. And, but the yeah. person was like, would you like to give for whatever the fuck? And I was like, Saint no Jude. thanks. Yeah. And, and they were like, do you at least want to round up your change? And I was like, what I just fucking say in my head, you know, like, 
<laughs> I didn't turn you down just to say yes now. Like, actually, I might have, I would, I probably wouldn't have been like, let me round up my change. But if they hadn't said anything, I kind of might have. Them saying something made me more resistant to it. So I was like, I said no. You know? I actually, I, I said I didn't want to give anything. Yeah. If the first question is, would you like to round up your change? Mm -hmm. I usually will say yes. Yeah, that's better. This way it was like the worst of both worlds. Right. It was like, I said no, but you're not taking no for an answer. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what a salesman you are. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, shut up. It was like a manager or something, of course, you know. Yeah, because they're, they're going to go harder for it because they're like, look, boss, see what I did? Mm -hmm. And look, look, other employees of mine, up, see how I do it? Corporate ladder bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know, I used to work in a movie theater along with, with Sarah. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a big thing at Regal, Stars of Hope. Stars of Hope time. Like, they, like, really Stars push you in. Yeah, they, like, really push you. And they're like, say it's, uh, you know, just ask if they want to donate to St. Jude's. But it's like 2% of the proceeds go to St. Jude's. You know? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah, they just divvy it up where, however they want to do it. But they say to say St. Jude's because they know that gets people. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I fucking hated it. Why not just be transparent about it? And, like, I don't understand why – I don't understand it anyway because, like, people will, you know, like, let me look up my own stuff. Yeah. You know? You donate your profits to whatever place you want to donate it to. Mm hmm You know? Tell me that you're donating it. That's fine. Mm hmm if you, if you want us to know about it, be like, hey, just so you know, your purchase today, 2% of it, we're sending it to St. Jude's. And I'd be like, cool, thanks for doing that. Yay, St. Jude. Yeah. Like, why do I have to pay extra for it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, in my case, with the going to the movie this last week, I went on bargain night, where the tickets are only six fifty, as opposed right. to, I don't know, $30, whatever they usually are. <laughs> and it's like, I'm sp I wanted to say to her, I'm specifically coming here on bargain night to see this movie. <laughs> it's I, funny you know, that you say that, because I knew when you were like, I, I'm going to see it tonight, like, mm -hmm. Tuesday. And I was like, do you think you can see it any other day of the week? You're like, it might be harder. And I was like, yes. I get Mostly, what you're saying here. I don't want to pay more money because <laughs> I like going to the movies. And then, of course, like I bought it because I bought a popcorn. So I felt guilty spending money on a popcorn. But I won't one. Yeah. I wanted one and I wanted to treat myself. You know what? Um, Non-charity non, uh, thing. When I worked at a coffee place, um, they would like push us to upcharge people and I'm like that's even worse than asking for donations because yeah. you're just trying to screw them over and I and like your managers will want you to be deceptive about it and like oh, do I that know. do that thing where do you want this but you don't say it costs money so if people say yes you just add on the money that's and I used to, it's such fucking horseshit it really is I used to refuse to do it but then I would get yelled at so I would say because they just said offer another offer an extra shot. Ask if they'd like to make it a triple for, you know, an extra shot and make it a triple, and it sounds really neat. So I would say, would you like an extra shot for uh, fifty four cents? I believe it comes out to, and uh, like they can't yell at me for saying the price. Yeah, this is what exactly. the price is. <laughs> but uh, I kind of got stopped getting yelled at if I stopped, if I didn't want to keep doing that after a while. Of course, I wonder why my bosses didn't like me. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because like I. As you know, I'm pretty good at sales, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I never did that shit. Mm -hmm. I was always transparent. Because you know what? If I want you to buy something, I'm just going to be likable. Yeah. 
like I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you the truth. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then we move on. Like, but people would want to buy from me because they liked me. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have deceptive marketing. You just, yeah. you just need to be nice. That's yeah. it. And like people don't feel good when they've been deceived. Like why? That's not a good business model. Yeah. It's right. It's, or maybe it is crazy, you know, because these businesses are out here screwing everybody over left and right. So maybe it's a great business model. And we just well, right, it works, but it's shitty. Wouldn't you rather have it work? Wouldn't you rather make like a little bit less and not be shitty? Well, that's why we're not billionaires. <laughs> no if you want to be, if you want to make as much as a billion dollars, which is a lot, you need to make that little bit more every time. But then, of course, I don't know. I don't know. This is not. You know, this is not a. Yeah, let's let's just move on to the <laughs> not a, the a, the rank issue. I rank agreed as a zero. <laughs> the, the top ten seven deadly sins. Yeah, okay, that doesn't okay. really work. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to add in a couple of new ones. <laughs> I don't worry, I got plenty. Every episode we start with some banter, which you just got, which was disjointed a little wild but hopefully fun for you um then we uh we do a little summary of the movie then we move into the potent notables which are just interesting facts and tidbits that we found out about the production and um you know just surrounding the movie and then we do the movie some the movie overview which spoiler alert is us talking about the movie plot from beginning to end um and then uh so if you haven't seen this movie uh, you've had what 66 years to do it <laughs> 70 no 76 years so i don't feel that bad for you but just a warning I, we are gonna spoil it i imagine someone in their 90s going i meant to see that <laughs> just forgot and, plum, and then, forgot. <laughs> plum forgot and then we go to our final category our segment which is the rank where we rank the movie in 10 categories on a scale of one to ten one being the worst ten being the best we add our scores together that cumulative score is the rank and we're going to find out what the best best picture nominee of all time was, as well as what the best best picture nominee of 1947 was. So let's go on to the movie we're ranking today, which is Crossfire, the 1947 film starring Robert Young, Robert Mitchum, and Robert Ryan, with a screenplay by John Paxton, adapted from the novel The Brick Foxhole by Richard Brooks, which is kind of a bummer that it's not Robert Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> and directed by Edward Dimitrick. Edward Robert Dimitrick. <laughs> like quotations, you mean? Like his uh-huh. nickname is Robert? Yep. Edward, they, they call, call him on, Robert. They called him that on set in order to, to avoid confusion. They didn't want any non-Roberts there. <laughs> exactly. So this movie was nominated for five Oscars, winning none. Oh, I know. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Robert Ryan, Best Supporting Actress for Gloria Graham, Best Writing for John Paxton, and Best Director for Edward Dimitrick, and of course, Best Picture. So Crossfire is a film noir that centers on the investigation of a murder. After a Jewish man is brutally killed, the police delve into the lives of soldiers who were seen in his company. The search for the murderer reveals underlying bigotry and anti-Semitic sentiments within the community. As the detectives uncover the truth, the film portrays the tension and moral conflicts faced by those involved, exposing the damaging impact of prejudice and hatred. Kind of so, kind of timely in 1947, don't you think? Yeah, well, it's 
I, I think it's kind of ahead of its time a little bit. It really kind of is the way it portrays the uh, anti-Semitism because in it's the crazy past, that it's still happening. Oh, I know. And um, like older movies can be very casually just, you know, kind of shitty in a lot of ways. But yeah, prejudice this, and racist and stuff. Th- yeah, this one kind of acknowledges the characters who were either casually or not casually at all anti-Semitic in this case. Right. Like it kind of notices this is shitty to behave like that, you know? Yeah, it's really kind of fascinating, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, we're on to our third 20th century Best Picture nominee ranking. It's so weird when you say it that way. <laughs> and then um, forever ago. <laughs> now, so far, The Bishop's Wife is the number one movie for 1947. Though we've only ranked two of the nominees. Yeah. So that's not really saying much yet. I think the movies of 1947 have actually fared sort of better so far than the movies of 2004 at first. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the first couple. Of course, the uh, first couple we did are like classics that people still love. So. Yeah, that's true. It'll be interesting how this one goes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just as a recap, Brooklyn is still on the top of the list of Best Picture nominees, and Sideways was the best of 2004. So we've done 2015 and 2004, and Brooklyn and Sideways were the ranks best for those years. And now we're on to the, to the third movie of 1947. And Gentleman's Agreement is what actually won Best Picture. So we're going to find out if that was right. But before we do that, let's go to the potent notables for Crossfire. Mm-hmm. Potent notables. As always, we start our Pote Notables with the box office results. And as I've mentioned in the last two 1947 Best Picture nominee rankings, box office results are not easy to come by mm-hmm. before the separation of distributors and theaters, as we learned in the RKO um, uh, Pote Notable from The Bishop's Wife, which is, ironically, this movie's also RKO. Okay. Yeah, no, I noticed that. Um, but I did find that article in Variety. Uh, from January 7th, 1948, which gives all the rentals, which I don't know if I need to keep giving the uh, the definition of rentals here, but it's basically just, it means the profit of the movie. So it's not the actual box office result revenue. It's just whatever the studio claimed they made on the movie. Um, Crossfire made $2.5 million and says it had a budget of $250,000. So... I'm guessing a good a good amount. I don't. I'm not sure. It seems like it. I mean, you know, um, it's it's well over its budget. I mean, yeah. based on that, I would say it made 2.75 million dollars at the box office. Yeah. Right? So, and you know, this isn't like a. Uh, actually, no, it wouldn't because you'd only get a percentage of the take. Oh no, because they're not separate yet. I don't know. Fuck it. I don't really know. What were you gonna say? It still seems like it's a good amount, just whether or not the studio made money. That it seems like there was interest in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I which, think it did fairly well. Yeah, which is kind of neat because it's not like a big flashy movie. It's like a you know kind of a character kind of drama. It really is. So, uh, but then again, maybe that was more popular then, and maybe just you know, I kind of wonder how much people heard about movies and maybe they just saw a couple of stars they like and saw that they were in the military and they were like, Oh, a war movie. And then maybe they went and they were like, this is awfully slow. <laughs> when are they going to get to the war part? Or maybe they were just like, you know, they're, they're sure making these Jews out to be nice. I don't really get it. 
well, let's let's pretend to change some minds. You know, some people said, "Hey, I went into this disliking people with funny last names, and now I'm re-examining that because people always are introspective when their beliefs are confronted." Yeah. The next quote notable here is we're going to talk a little bit about the novel. So it was based on Richard Brooks's first novel, which is The Brick Foxhole, right? Mm. It was written in, it was only written in 1945. So, I mean, it was, it was a quick turnaround from mm. book release to adaptation, but it was written while he was still a sergeant in the U S Marine Corps. So in the mm. novel, Montgomery kills Samuels, not because he's Jewish, but because he is a homosexual. Oh, okay. Well, that's a whole other, a whole other aspect that they probably didn't want to get into. Isn't that fascinating? Continue. Yeah, that is. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I'm not saying that this is exactly why, but it's kind of funny that this was like willing to to look at anti-Semitism in a way that's critical toward anti-Semites. But, but I wasn't homophobia. willing to look at homophobia yet, <laughs> and we wouldn't be willing to look at that for quite a minute after 1947. No kidding. So I guess there's always something that, I don't know, I guess we can always do better. Well, we always need something to hate. As yeah, it's true. People. We definitely do. So, me, I, me, I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so production, well, you have Christmas that you can hate. So That's true. Uh, so production code administration head Joseph Breen described the novel in a July 17, 1945 letter to RKO executive William Gordon as, quote, thoroughly and completely unacceptable on a mm -hmm. dozen or more counts, end quote. So in February 1947, after screenwriter John Paxton had completely eliminated the homosexual plot line from the story, Green endorsed the project. Mm -hmm. But he cautioned that the final film should contain, quote, no suggestion of a pansy characterization about Samuels or his relationship with the soldiers, end quote. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that no, like... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just it's. I love the I love the wording. It's just like unbelievable, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's believable and that it's old, but it's like mm -hmm. wow. And you know what's interesting? I I thought about that while I was watching the movie, and I'm like, this is very clearly like like homosexual. Like they, you mm -hmm. know, like yeah. Let's go back to your place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it actually kind of explains the the behavior of Samuel's a little bit better. Yeah, no kidding. It just seemed a little like, okay, why is he so friendly with this dude out of nowhere? And I like how they have Samuels with that woman, like, so much, you know? Yeah. But, like, he's not paying attention to her. <laughs> no, so. he's real interested in Mitchell. Yeah, and just in Mitch. Um, so Robert Mitchum apparently hated making the film, later oh. claiming that any American actor could have played Keeley. I don't really get what he's saying here, because I... Well, either. we'll get into it on the rank, but... Um, Anyway, I just, I thought that was interesting. So one thing I found said that Mitchum was, quote, quite the prankster during mm. filming. Okay. And then went on to say that this was, this was the pranking, the quote, unquote, pranking. Ready? Mm -hmm. He tormented the cast and crew members with his new air-powered BB gun <laughs> that he brought, that he just bought, I mean. Oh, that prankster <laughs> shooting people. <laughs> He's All right. such a scamp. So uh, Lee Server, um, he, uh, this was uh, in like a biography of Robert Mitchum. He mm -hmm. wrote, quote, Steve Brody, who played Floyd Flowers in the film, got shot in the leg. It gave him a huge bruise that he said lasted forever. And <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> so mischievous. Yeah, and so, and not only that, but, you know, Dimitri, the director, his status didn't exempt him from becoming another target. Quote, I was sitting on the set, and, he, and it hit me right in the fanny. Shot by a BB gun. I looked around and caught Bob standing on the sidelines, pretending not to be there. End quote. I like to imagine he's just got the gun completely noticeable, but he's still pretending he didn't do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Another guy. It must have been that guy with his air-powered BB gun that he has and has been shooting people with repeatedly. Just like, what a dick. Yeah, this doesn't... It's not pranking. It's just being an asshole. Yep. I, uh... I love people like that, you know, who oh, I'm pranking you and they crash into your car or some shit. And you're like, what the fuck? You do not understand what pranking is. No, it's just, he's an early version of those YouTube prankers. It's just a prank, bro. <laughs> so Gloria Graham, who played Ginny, mm-hmm. she later said that this was her favorite role. Oh, so she liked making it. Robert Mitchum didn't. Yeah, apparently. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to get into some interesting stuff here. So I found these two things when I was trying to find some actual Robert Mitchum quotes about this movie, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't having any luck. So I thought, well, maybe Gloria Graham said something about Mitchum or the movie mm-hmm. or whatever. So I looked her up. Right? Buckle up. Oh. <laughs> Gloria married actor Nicholas Ray on June 1st, 1948, when she was 24 years old and he was 36. Mm-hmm. Now, in June 1951, this is three years later, right? Nick caught her in bed at their Malibu home with Tony. Okay. You know who Tony was? Tony Danza? Nope. Tony, his his 13-year-old son from his first marriage. Okay. (laughs) So, that's unexpected. So, Tony... (laughs) He's like, yeah, I wasn't expecting to walk in on that either. Yeah. You want to talk about unexpected? Tony had just returned from military school. Okay. Uh-huh. So she slept with her 13-year-old stepson. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. So she had a kid with Nick here as well, yeah. right? But here's the craziest part. Here's the craziest part aside from the child. Nine years later, she married the kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they were married for 14 years and had two children. So wait a second. Hold on a second here. I'm trying to figure out the relationship between the kid that she had with Nick. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. So when Tony and Gloria got married, Tony yeah. became the stepfather to his younger half-brother. Stepfather to his younger half-brother. Okay. Okay. Just never find, it's just if you ever find yourself in a situation where you have to be figuring that kind of thing out, you, you, should, you should take a step back. You know what I mean? If you're going, well, hold on. You would be the step. Wait, hold on. I screwed up, didn't I? I just, whenever it's this complicated family trees, I you you've messed up. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah, imagine so, like that's uh, a lot. Um, that was not the potent notable I was expecting to find. Yeah. Um, you know they say Hollywood is incestuous, but I didn't. I don't know if I Gloria that. Graham took it seriously. Yeah, she was like, well, may as well. I've been lusting after this 13-year-old for all of a... I don't know how many years. Well, let's hope it was just just like that yeah. recent. I like how that... I mean, well, you know, not even bad that. Enough, but yeah. it, is, it is... It is... It would be slightly better if, like, he came home that day and she's like, oh, let's, let's bone. Mm-hmm. 
So anyway, that's great. Yeah. So it, it doesn't. That's the weirdest we got. Um, we can go on to more normal ones here. Okay. I just when I found, I was just like, what? I, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to have another opportunity to talk about Gloria Graham. <laughs> yeah. So I had to. So it's been suggested that one reason the film failed to win any Oscars was because director Edward Dimitrik and producer Adrian Scott's testimony because of their testimony before the House Un-American Activities Committee in late 1947. Mm. So in case anybody listening doesn't know what we're talking about here, this is McCarthyism when they were trying to find all the, the reds in America, especially in the entertainment industry, right? So they refused to state whether they were or had been communists. Mm. Dimitrik, a Canadian who had become an American citizen only a decade earlier, and Scott became the first two members, quote unquote, of the infamous, quote unquote, Hollywood 10. All right. So the Hollywood 10 was a group of producers, writers, and directors who in April 1948 were tried and convicted of contempt of Congress. They were subsequently blacklisted and thus unable to work in Hollywood. I'm, I don't know. We can talk about that situation all day. It's it's really disgusting and disturbing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why any, we care who, yeah. if anybody like, is a member of a communist party. Like, Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. I mean, on American activities, I feel like in Amer- you're allowed to do what you want here. I thought, right. it was a free, I thought it was a free country, is all. Yeah, so how is it un-American to just do Ex- what you're interested in doing? Exactly. So, I don't know. But then again, that's still... It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into that. Yeah, so I just thought that was interesting, that the producer and the, the director both got mm-hmm. black blacklisted. So, mm-hmm. like, right after this. And it, the, they say it's the reason it didn't win any Oscars. So, despite receiving an Academy Award nomination, Robert Ryan rarely talked about the breakthrough role, about his breakthrough role, which was this, mm-hmm. um, because he wasn't too happy about the negative aspects of the character, who was a murderous, anti-Semitic psychopath. Yeah, no, it's, I can, I can kind of, like, he does not, you know, he, I'm not saying he does a bad job acting at all. It's just, you know, he doesn't, right, whatever, right. you know? Right, and it's his breakout role, So, and yeah. it resulted in him being typecast in similarly villainous roles. Mm-hmm. So in real life, Ryan was a committed liberal progressive who detested any form of bigotry. Well, that's nice, I guess. I know. I can see why he was like, I don't want to talk about that role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, we, can we move on to my role as Gandhi? Yeah. So this is kind of a weird one. Not as weird as Gloria, but I enjoyed it. Mm. Um, it's not even weird in that way. It's just kind of silly. The coffee maker in Ginny's room is a vacuum coffee maker invented in Germany in the 1830s. Mm. So you know which we're, we're, what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's the scene where her, her Ginny's husband or whatever mm. shows up and is just super weird. So also known as a vac pot or siphon coffee maker, it brews mm. coffee using two chambers where vapor pressure forces the hot water into the upper chamber. When it is steeped with the coffee grounds, the heat is removed, thereby lowering the pressure in the lower chamber, which then draws the hot mixture back down the siphon hmm. through, through a filter to produce the coffee. So in the film, it overflows because no one has stirred the coffee grounds and turned off the heat. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was kind of fun. That is, I mean, it seems, it seems overly complicated, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> it's what they had, you know? They didn't have a Keurig. Well, I mean, I, I make 
coffee in a French press, which is you just pour water in grounds and then it's and then it turns on the coffee. So yes, like that's true. That's been around for a long time. So, but yeah, then again, if honestly, I I might want the cool contraption that does it that way. You know? Yeah, I can see that. So, I wonder if it tastes better. You know? What yeah, I mean? that's 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 another good point. Maybe it was you know it's being uh, what's the word I'm looking for pushed as being oh look at this the best tasting coffee in the world and and you go well they gotta they gotta know what they're Which doing it's, it's kind of an oxymoron you know but no <laughs> well we've talked about this um, <laughs> hold on hold on i know how you feel about it sips coffee <laughs> i don't know so, if you hear my exaggerated I, I heard it yeah <laughs> so initially dick powell was announced to play the lead role finley mm-hmm. right as he had in two previous successful films noir Murder My Sweet in 1944 and Cornered in 1945, mm-hmm. both both from the team of Edward Demetric and Adrian Scott and, and John Paxton. Mm-hmm. Powell had to bow out due to scheduling conflicts, and Robert Young degree, agreed to do the film on the condition that it be shot in 24 days, which it eventually was, because he was due to begin work on another RKO, RKO film noir, They Won't Believe Me. Oh, so, that sounds like a, that sounds like a film noir. I love it, doesn't it? But I just was twenty four days. I mean, less yeah. than a month. That's kind of wild. Yeah, I'm, I just looked it up, and it's also released in nineteen forty seven. He's just yeah, exactly pounding out pounding out film noir pictures. He's a machine. Well, as long as he's not pounding out Gloria thirteen year olds. Yeah, yeah. Thirteen year old stepsons, which is worse because like you're in a position of authority. Yeah. Well, you know, she married him later, so they were in love. Oh, that's good. It's yes, good. <laughs> never, never mind. It was true love. <laughs> I was gonna try to go on after that. I couldn't. Yeah. So the U.S. Army only showed this film at at its U.S. bases. The U.S. Navy would not exhibit the film at all. Oh, why? I don't know. Isn't that? I just I was like, what the hell? I assume it's because it sort of paints soldiers in a bad light a little bit. I, yeah, I just I like, I don't know. So executive producer Dory Sherry's first film as the short-lived head of production at RKO. This was this movie, I mean. Mm-hmm. He resigned from the studio in July 1948 due to clashes with its new owner, Howard Hughes. Uh-oh. And soon accepted an offer to take over as head of production at MGM. 1947 meets... 20 2004 exactly so the only film to be nominated that year this 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 movie was the only film to be nominated this year 1947 uh for both the supporting best supporting actor and best supporting actress oscars and it was the only best picture oscar nominee that year that did not win any academy awards that's sad yeah but that's it those are the potent notables i thought they were pretty good no, that was definitely interesting, I suppose. <laughs> sort of not what you expected, right? Especially the Gloria Graham one. That one I, I mean, I, I, I kind of knew that it would figure in somehow. I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe I didn't. Anyway. <laughs> All right, well, let's get on to the movie overview. Mm. Movie overview. So I have to say I was into the music like already. Right really? Yeah, I was like, I oh, it, I thought it was a bit heavy-handed. Really? I was kind of enjoying it. I was enjoying it in a like campy sort of way. Oh, okay, I mean? yeah. 
like this is like very appropriate for what it is. Right, exactly. I can see that. I was thinking it's kind of a graphic first scene for 1947. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it grabs your attention, I guess. I don't know. I thought it was interesting though that the light kept moving for the shadows. Like mm-hmm. well, that doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? Uh, yeah, but um, well, I'll actually have something to say about those later. Not this scene specifically. Um, I, I I have the movie on again and I'm rewatching it. And yeah, the shadows in this scene are kind of unnatural. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this, this is they do a, this a, they fight. do a much better job throughout the whole rest of the movie. It's just this first scene where they're like. These shadows, we just want to make sure you can see the shadow, so watch the light. You know, yeah, it's like, like it's like this guy has a power of being able to keep his face hidden no matter where the light actually is. <laughs> he carries his shadows around with him. It's funny too, because they were like clearly showing the guy who was getting his ass kicked, and then yeah. they show him on the ground, and I'm like, Well, he doesn't really look that bad, but I guess he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> back back then if you beat someone to death, you'd be surprised that there was actually any blood because every movie you'd seen. The guy's just laying there. Didn't realize that's how life worked. Um, and then, you know, we find a wallet. And I was like, oh, so the perp dropped his wallet. That'll be an easy case, you know? <laughs> You're turning into like a like an old-timey gumshoe watching this movie. <laughs> ah, the perp dropped his wallet. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get him, even if he goes on the lamb. See? And then, so this is the first time we're going to meet Montgomery. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Ryan's breakout role or whatever. Robert yeah. Young. I can't remember who it was. It One was of the Roberts. Robert. Who's a Robert? It was Robert Ryan. <laughs> um, and I was like, who is this random guy? Okay, I guess he's Montgomery because <laughs> he says it like right away. Yeah. Um, and then what's his outfit, right? And he goes, same as mine. And I'm like, well, that doesn't, how does that answer the question? So what's yours then? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Same as his. All right, we feel like we're going around in circles here. <laughs> Not appreciating this. And I was so I've I've never seen a movie with Robert Mitchum, so I was kind of I'm excited. Not, I might have seen one, but uh, he's one of those stars that I'm aware of, but I just feel like I never encounter. Right. I, you know, he's sort of known as like a bad boy. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, he just shoot people with his BB guns. That's so, yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just, you know, it's it sort of, I, I bet if we read his biography, we'd be like, yep, this guy wouldn't have made it in Hollywood in the 2020s, you know, yeah. 2010s. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, I'd never, you know, I'd never seen anything. So I was kind of excited to see him, but, uh, I thought it was interesting when we're in the, um, I guess it's Finley's office mm-hmm. and there's a, a portrait of FDR over the fireplace. I was wondering why there was a portrait of FDR. Like at first I thought it was like, oh, it's a government office. So it's the pick. Wait, no, this takes place in like, like after the war. So he can't be president anymore. Right. Well, that's what I was kind of confused about too. And maybe it's just that this guy's a big FDR fan, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a huge, he loves the new deal. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well I mean, it was, it was a big he, deal. He was a overwhelmingly popular president. So, Yeah. Do you think we'll ever have a president that that's that popular in our lifetime? I don't think so. I think the last think so one either. that anyone looks that way is probably JFK. But even I don't know. I I would say Reagan was considered really popular oh, in the eighties. Yeah, but I don't think he like anybody. He's I don't think he's remained so popular. Well, right, but I just mean like during like 
uh, yeah. like during their presidency. I mean, Obama was really well liked mm. when he first got elected and everything. Yeah. Because everybody was not everybody, but there were a lot of people that uh, were like, "I'm not racist. I like Obama." <laughs> and now, and now they're like, "No, I I am actually racist." I am racist. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm Robert Ryan in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so so he's like asking him where soldiers are or whatever, where Mitch Mitch Mitchell was, or I can't remember exactly who what he was asking, but he's like, Robert Mitchum's answer was crawling, you know. Yeah. And then he was like, "What did you say?" He's like, "Nowhere. Soldiers don't have anywhere to go unless you tell them where to go. When they're <laughs> off duty, they go crawling or they go crazy." I just thought that was a, a kind of a cool line. That is a really cool line, and it's a neat a neat look into. You know, I, I don't know if it's true. I'm not a soldier, but I can see it being true, and it fits with the story, at least. Right. Like, I can see it being true in the sense that, you know, they're not home. They're, you know, like, yeah. what else are they going to do? Yeah, what are you yeah. supposed to do? And that's an easy way to get into trouble. Right. No kidding. I also like the exchange where he was like, Mitchell's not the type. He's not a murderer, right? Mm. And then Finley goes, everybody's the type. Yeah, I actually really love that line. I was like, yeah. that that could go on the you know? Not the poster necessarily, but that could be like this the thesis statement of the movie. Yeah, exactly. I just could, could have been I really liked it. Could have been and anybody. Also, yeah, I like and I he's he's, you know, the jaded, you know, uh, homicide detective who's like, you know what? I I never rule anybody out. It might have been me for all I know. Right. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I really like that. That was a that line really stuck out to me. It's like that's true. Everybody's the type. And then he's like, have you killed people? He's like, I have ki- killed people. Where? Where you get medals for it. I thought that yeah. was a good line, too. That was, there was, it was, this exchange was really cool. It, it was. It was, it was uh, well done. And I liked like Robert Young's reaction to that line. Because he asks him like suspiciously. And then he's like, oh, that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So that's Never mind. <laughs> and then he's like, nothing interests me anymore, Robert Young. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Talk about jaded. Yeah. And, you know, he gets into it. At first I was like, why is he saying that? It seems kind of intense. And then he, he, he like, explains a little, little bit. But basically yeah. he's saying, like, I just, I'm, I'm just looking for clues. I'm not interested in anything but, like, the information, you yeah. know? Just, just um, the facts, ma'am, as, as Joe Friday would, would, would eventually yeah. elucidate you. Or Jeff Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> do we have it? Do we have an anybody Sunday? Can we get a whole week? <laughs> um, well, so we're going to find out that Mitchell hasn't written home in a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And apparently he hasn't seen his wife for two years. Yeah. It seemed weird. That's a lot. I mean, I know that that's kind of what happened when, you know, we ship out to Europe. Like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> We just stormed, just stormed the beach at Normandy, but uh, I just I'd like a furlough for a little bit. It's fine <laughs> to fly or, or you know, sail back, right? There's no danger in doing that. Yeah, that's it's just a day pass, I think. But <laughs> right, if you can get there, why not? So, I thought it was interesting that they're being so protective of Mitchell. Yeah, it's like they're all like circling the wagons for Mitch here. I was like, they must. I I, I don't know if it was just what's his face who liked Mitch that much or what, but. It seemed Keely, like it was Keeley, yeah, Robert Mitchum's character. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but at first you're thinking Montgomery is too. Yeah. But in reality, he's trying to yeah. lead them to him. You know. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was it made me interested in meeting Mitch. Yeah. I was like, I wonder. I at this point, I was actually kind of wondering if we would really see him at all. Um, yeah, me too. I was wondering if it was just going to be like a thing where you know we yeah. never see him and he's just you know, a, sort of a figurehead for whatever themes we've got, you know? Exactly. Um, but no, he shows up. It's a little bit like, it reminds me in um, uh, The Third Man, the uh, also the very, the post-war picture um, that has Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton. Um, yeah. They talk about Harry Lyme a lot. And like, I don't know, it feels like you're never going to meet him because it's like, oh, Harry this, Harry that. And then, then he shows up and it's, that's actually a really cool scene because it's Orson Welles stepping out of the shadows and it's very cool looking. This was less like that, but it's what it reminded me of in that like, oh, here he is. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't as big, but I could, I, I will say the actor in that did a good job of making us understand why they liked him because he mm -hmm. was just kind of nice, you yeah. know? Unassuming and nice, but uh, yeah, well, it, it hides uh, something. Yeah. Not to get ahead of ourselves. Well, I did think it was interesting too that he's like, so Montgomery here, you know, is like, mm -hmm. I'm not helping anybody stick a pal of mine into trouble, and I'm like, it's a murder investigation. That's not how the like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't just be like, I'm not telling you nothing, copper. Like, <laughs> They're like, well, okay, well yeah. then I guess you go to jail, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you don't have to, right? I mean, but they, but they'd still just be like, well, you know, then you can sit in the slammer for a day because I think they can hold you for twenty four hours. Mm -hmm. um, and poor, poor Leroy here. Montgomery's such an asshole to him, even in Montgomery's retelling of the events. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> uh, he does not come off great. You know, it's like okay. Monty, I don't know <laughs> if I care for you, but whatever, I'll move on. Yeah, he was annoying. I I even wrote Montgomery is annoying. Mm -hmm. And then I said, and then the next thing I said was, well, Montgomery seems to be a suspect to me more so than Mitchell after that yeah. story. Yeah, well, obviously that's the that's the you know, the plot working working its magic, but like, holy shit, this I was like, I kind of hope this guy did it just so we get this. Put away. So we can be done with this guy? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, how is this cop not thinking it's Montgomery yeah. at this point? You know? Uh, well, like, he sees he sees the real story, the real scoop. Yeah. So this is later on, he's questioning Keeley again. And um he's like like he asks him, So do you know where he is? Mm -hmm. and he's like, I didn't when I came in here, and I haven't suddenly gotten any brighter. Yeah, another Which good I one. enjoyed I enjoyed that too. Um, I'm not actually sure if it's just here yet or if it's coming up, but I may as well highlight a line I liked, or it's actually a little exchange. Um, okay. Where Montgomery, I had a little bit of trouble keeping everybody's name straight. I, I feel stupid, but I did. Um, I think it was because like they kept just saying like Monty, Mitch, and and everything like that, and I was like, kind of forgot if they were their first names or last names. But um, Montgomery was complaining about. Um, people with the funny sounding last names and he says you know seems like a lot of people who who managed to skip out on serving like samuels um they had funny sounding last names and you know he, they know what he means oh yeah yeah and then when he leaves uh keely 
who like you're kind of liking at this point is the level-headed guy mm-hmm. says um you know on the on the reports of who died over over there in Europe there were also a lot of people with funny last names saying like a lot of a lot of people served do or whatever right exactly so i like that i was like good I like we have too. a character who's not anti-semitic or at least not as much Right, I'm sure there's some, you know, yeah, it's, it's the time. There's probably still something there based on the time, but I liked that he was like, that's really a fucking ignorant thing to say. Um, yeah. He doesn't seem to like Montgomery very yeah. well. I mean, at, at one point, he, I think I wrote it down, I think it's later on, but he, at one point he does say, like, I tried to like him, you know, <laughs> he's just not my type. <laughs> um different in uh, the context if they had kept a lot of the homosexual subtext. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, already, I'm like, I'm surprised that Mitchum was so apathetic about this role. I feel like he's really good in it. Yeah, I, th- I thought so too, actually. I'm not, I'm, I kind of feel like he was a little bit of a standout so far. Yeah, no, me too. Um, but I think it was funny that like I'm like, how have the cops not found Mitchell yet? He's just walking around. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. How far do you think he got? He's <laughs> just stumbling around. Yeah, I thought that was funny too, because he's they, they show him and he's not in hiding. He's just walking around on the, the sidewalk, like you said, like, oh, <laughs> I'll go into this place and then I'll leave. Like plenty of people seem to have seen him. Apparently right. they're not asking any questions whatsoever. They just found his friends and brought them to the station or whatever. So, and and then they like fool the cops, right? They're all waiting at the hotel yeah. entrance or whatever, and then they like sneak them out. I'm like, isn't this aiding and abetting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah, sounds like a bad too. idea. Yeah, they kind of go out of their way to try to hide hide him and like, I don't know. I also the the one thing that kind of drove me nuts about Keeley, and I know this is silly, but mm-hmm. he never takes off his hat. Huh. Not even sure I noticed that. Well, might have been a thematic thing. I can't help but notice it because that's in, you. You're not allowed to wear your hat in the military indoors. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to take it off. Hmm, that is and, interesting. And then on top of that, he's always got it cocked to the side. And I'm just like, there's just no way, you know? Like, well, that is an interesting way to show a character who is actually flouting authority, but seems on the surface, if you don't understand to be buttoned up and following the rules, if that makes any sense. That is interesting. Because so you think it like, was purposeful? I don't know if it was purposeful, but I like it either way, even if it was an accident. Um, I kind of believe, I'm, I'm like kind of a cheese ball here because I don't like mystical shit, but I do kind of have like a weird belief that when people are making art, they subconsciously make decisions that um, give the stories more depth, or at least the good people, good ones do. And, yeah, um, they look at it and they're like, they're like mm-hmm. I think he would do something like this, but not. Yeah, you're not like thinking about the reason why he would do yeah. it. There's like, I think he, this character would do that. Yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, and from the outside, I thought I would have thought that oh, this guy's really kind of like, you know, he's good in the military, like he's continually, you know, wearing his uniform in all aspects of his life. But then when you explain that, which I didn't know, you know, that actually shows him as being, you know, cocksure and and rebellious. I like it. Well done, whoever came up with that, or no one if no one came up with that, because I'm full of shit. I I really enjoy that you just, the way you just explained that, it made me like it even more, actually. So Cool. I like it. So, 
I feel like Samuels here is supposed to be a shrink. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of got that too because like he's like super interested. He's like, "Oh, hello, Rand- Rando next to me at the bar." When in reality, you know, the book yeah. is just an older guy, older gay guy that's like, "Yeah, hey there, young soldier boy." Yeah. Well, it, like I said, it kind of like I didn't understand why he was taking such interest in him. But then again, the olden days, nobody had anything to do, so maybe he just talk to strangers. Yeah, they couldn't just stare down at their phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's better back then. You could just find people to murder at bars. Yeah, it was way better. Now, well, you know, now you can just, you know, pretend to be an Uber driver. Oh, so, there you go. That's perfect. Um, I feel like I would be annoyed with Samuels coming up to me and talking so much shit, by the way. I would be insanely annoyed. I'd be like, what? Why, who are you? Exactly. What, what happened that I'm talking to you suddenly? Yeah, I mean, because Mitchell is sort of describing how this conversation went, and then, like at first, I'm just like, it seems like kind of almost antagonistic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I did like how Mitchell was saying that he was actually easy to talk to, mm-hmm. so it's it seems like it turned around a little bit, you know. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it felt antagonistic to Mitchell, you know, at first. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's how he remembered it starting, when in reality it might have been, like, a little less, like, like that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I forgot to mention and wanted to that him coming off as something of a psychiatrist um, mm-hmm. would have, you know, been quoted for him being a Jew. Right, exactly. So that's probably probably purposeful, not, like, subconscious, <laughs> because... That's what I was thinking they were doing, too. It's like, Mm -hmm. just in case you don't know, definitely Mm -hmm. Jewish. Although we're going to get very clear indication in a little bit because they go to the the apartment, you know, Mitchell's up there and then and then Montgomery and Mm. Lloyd, right? Show up. And um, right as Mitch is leaving, he goes, what's the matter, Jew boy? You afraid we'll drink up all your liquor? Yeah, that was a that was kind of out of nowhere. I was like, okay, well, I guess we're getting right into that. It was. Yeah. It was subtext, and now it's text. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, and by the way, them just bursting into his apartment, I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know? I know, I know. Like, and I know Mitchell was there, but um, I was like, "Okay, they just walk in, like, walk in and start being really, really like boorish with their drunken behavior." Yeah, no kidding. And so Mitchell's gonna continue his story here, right? Mm. But I'm, I'm like, okay, well, it's clearly Montgomery. Right? Yeah. I don't know how else we're going here, but so he's like, I'm, I know I went to this, this other joint, right? And all of a sudden he could just get really loud trumpet, like out of nowhere. Yeah. I was like, whoa, when I was watching it. I was, yeah, whoa, <laughs> I need to take the headphones off. What just happened? <laughs> and then she says her name is Ginny. What does Ginny do? Like she's apparently working at this place, but like, as she what? Descri- she describes herself as a dancer. Yeah. I feel like she's just supposed to, like, flirt with guys and get them to spend more money. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> Pretty much like what it seems like what she does, yeah. Which is, like, kind of a prostitute, but also not. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's not. not there's no sex. Um, <laughs> but I, I like that she keeps telling him to be nice. Like, she says that mm-hmm. to him two or three times. Be mm-hmm. nice. Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Poor thing. Just and then she just. These, no, sorry. I'm imagining all these soldiers coming in, not being nice, and she's like, "Can someone just be nice, please?" 
<laughs> she does a, so then she like leaves the area and she goes outside. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she does a lot of sitting around for someone who's supposed to be working, right? Yeah, she thought she keeps emphasizing that she works for a living. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, at what? <laughs> Just wandering and looking mournful. So now she's gonna say something. She's like, like I know I don't really like you or whatever. And then he's like, but why? What's my, you know, what's your issue with me? And she calls. She says you're corny. Corny, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's coming back. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so we've got a. I, I just. I'm curious if people nowadays even know that saying that somebody's corny was something that happened back in the 40s. Yeah, I. I don't think I did actually. She said it, and I was like, oh wow, that was. And it seems to have the same. I meaning. wasn't expecting it. Yeah, it's, it has the same meaning. Like you're kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, uh oh, Mitchell. Cheating on the wife. Yep. Come on. Mitchell. Apparently Mitchell got wasted, by the way. Yeah, I know. How drunk exactly did he get? It's like an entire night is like the plot of this movie is him being drunk, basically. I know. And I'm confused by it because when he meets Samuel, Samuel says something like, you know, you're drunk without drinking. So Yeah. I'm like, but... What? He's just a perpetually drunk mean? human being. Yeah, he just stumbles around all the time oh, and, forget, yeah. and is very forgetful. He's and, got so, the, and he's got the power to stumble around the city and not be found by cops looking for him actively. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, he's going to go to her place now and just lay down. <laughs> just and, like you uh, do. I'm taking a nap on your couch. Yeah, so he falls asleep in there, and then uh, he wakes up. There's <laughs> just some guy there. Mm-hmm. Mitchell's like, I'm having a weird night. <laughs> yeah, this is a super weird guy. I'm like, who is this guy? A pimp or something? Like yeah, the way like, it's it, that would be my guess actually. But you know, and then <laughs> if I if I was Mitchell, I mean, but I love it. I'm actually at that scene right now. He's <laughs> Mitchell has this great, like, confused but tired look on his face. Like, I woke up and there's a guy here, and and I <laughs> I don't know who you. Uh, uh? And then he just says he's her husband. So. Right, but then, but then, he's like, "No, that's a lie." Yeah, <laughs> he like tells this sad story, and he's like, "That's a lie." <laughs> and then he just the next thing he says, "Oh, that's a lie too." And then he says, uh, "Whatever," and he's like, "Oh, that's a lie." I'm like, "What is going on with this guy?" There's lots of twists and turns. Yeah, and poor Mitchell's <laughs> Mitchell's confused by the simplest things at this time, so he's yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "This guy is so fucking strange." What yeah. the hell? This is a strange thing to wake up to, just out of nowhere. So now I'm like, wait, was it Floyd and Montgomery? Because yeah. we're we're cutting back to like they're looking for Floyd and Floyd's mm-hmm. hiding out, and I'm like, oh, I guess Floyd did it too, mm-hmm. but not really. He was just kind of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember who this was said to or who said it, but Mitch was stinko. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a fun way to say drunk. He was yeah. stinko. Drunk is one of those words that has like 30 euphemisms for it. It's delightful. Each one is more fun than the next, really. Wait, (laughs) each than the last. (laughs) Each one is more fun than the next in that they get progressively worse. They get worse every every time. Like, ah. Stop making up euphemisms for drunk. Just say it. Just say blotto. (laughs) We we perfected it at blotto. (laughs) Um, Oh, that was, uh, I think, Montgomery saying it to... uh, to Floyd, right? Mitch mm-hmm. Stinko. 
Yeah. So, because we're getting this interaction between Montgomery and, and Floyd, because Montgomery came to the hideout. And, you know, no Jew is going to tell me how to drink his liquor. Yeah. Like, boy, Monty is an angry fella. Yeah. He's so mad at Jewish people for. And then Monty's going to start slapping Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> to which slapping. Floyd has no reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really. Slapping in old movies is fun anyway. It's like very like. <laughs> it's an Indiana Jones whip. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I guess he reacted to the punch at least. But yeah, the yeah. slaps, he just keeps staring straight. I'm like, don't well, you think you should is, move your head? It's a very him thing. He's very like just presenting himself as being passive and things happening to him. And then I woke up in this apartment, and a guy was there, and I was just stood there, and then I got slapped. Well, this isn't Mitchell. This is Floyd that's getting slapped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> Sorry, I got he you. Just, no, no, it's okay, but I just, yeah, I don't know if you're up to it in the movie yet, but uh, when it, it's the acting that I'm talking about where he just he doesn't even move his head. He's just he's getting slapped, and I'm like, well, that doesn't look like you're getting slapped when you don't move at all. People also get a uh, distorted view of what slapping is like from the movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doesn't hurt. You can beat people up. There's no blood, and uh, slapping doesn't even make anybody move. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Um, and then he says, "I don't like Jews, and I don't like anybody who likes Jews." After Floyd <laughs> was like, "You know, I didn't really have an issue with Samuels. He seemed fine." Yeah. I was like, I, "Yikes." And I don't like anybody who likes anybody who likes Jews. <laughs> okay, you're getting a little far afield here, but all right. So we're, we're like cutting to Finley again, right? Mm-hmm. He's continuing his investigation. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, well, who are the people in here? And Keely is clearly like being a little caustic. He doesn't want to say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I, I'm guessing the woman in the back here is Mitch's wife, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then Achilles like, look, he went to a girl's house, blah, blah, blah. He, like, didn't want to say that in front of his wife, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was actually really good because that's all subtext. They don't say that, you know. Yeah. Um, I can imagine that that wouldn't be fun for the wife to hear, well, you know. Yeah, no kidding, but <laughs> such is life. But what's kind of amazing to me is, like, so he's like, oh, she's in the he's in the theater, and, and the wife's like, can I just see him first before... Mm-hmm. And the and the cops like yeah that's fine I'm like they had an interesting way of doing things back then mm-hmm. I just can't imagine a cop being like yeah go see him first why don't you tell him an alibi that he mm-hmm. can use yeah <laughs> we're gonna give you a chance to get your story together yeah exactly privately it's a little bit like how in uh, Killers of the Flower Moon when it, yeah when, when they ask hey can we have a minute together and they're like okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And it's, you know, it's the, I mean, it's that Killers of the Flower Moon is earlier than this, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was just like, okay. So, so now I was sort of surprised she went up to him and just like kissed him passionately right away mm-hmm. after hearing that he was had slept over at Ginny's house. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, whatever. But, so then Mitchell's going to give like a little speech here. He's got a, he's got a monologue to give to mm-hmm. uh, to his wife. I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty understandable. Yeah. Like trying to get back into life after the war was probably really hard. Yeah, 
it's a an interesting thing that I'm not sure more movies ever address for the most part. I was sort of in, fascinated at the idea that a movie in 1947 was addressing that because I didn't yeah. know that that like they even considered that after World War II. You know, the Greatest Generation. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, they just came back and got back to work. Yeah, it's just it's sort of interesting. Um, I didn't think they talked about it really until after Vietnam, mm-hmm. but they clearly did. As it happened in this movie. Well, um, somewhat, maybe, maybe not as much as it should have. But. Right. So we're gonna have a little bit of a bad acting moment um, mm-hmm. in the kiss before they leave the theater. I don't know if you're up to it yet. I am not, but that's okay because I do remember it. You, you remember like, it? Okay. Yeah. It's very <laughs> over dramatic and absurd. It's old timey movie kissing. There's a lot of there's a lot of very firm holding and a lot of pulling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, the first kiss, I was like, okay, you know, but then mm-hmm. this kiss, it was like, what? All right. It was the it's first really... time I really got taken out of the movie at all. Really? So, yeah. Oh, I was fine with it. Well, it was just because the way she, I mean, it was like she like had her head turned. It was very weird. Um, I don't remember what this part is, but I wrote, I don't like cops, dot, dot, dot. Why didn't he identify? Why didn't he identify himself? Yeah. So I'm guessing some cop basically didn't identify himself to somebody, mm-hmm. um, and I I don't like when they do that. Oh, it's when he goes to they go to Ginny's apartment. That's what it is. Yeah. And he's just like he's being like really like because she you know the wife goes in and tries to talk to her, mm-hmm. which didn't go well. And so then he comes in. And she's like, "What are you a cop or something?" And he's mm-hmm. like, "I'm a concerned citizen." Yeah. <laughs> like, don't be a dick. You're a fucking cop. Like he's he's like yes or something. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Ginny is suddenly jealous. Mm-hmm. She kind of like, kind of all of a sudden she's just like, ah, I'm jealous. You know. <laughs> just hit her. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, the guy, the husband, is going to be like, yeah, I saw him. Mm-hmm. And. This guy is hilarious to me. He's so bizarre. It's a random character who just walks in from weird places and says cryptic things. And he might yeah. be telling the truth or he might not be. I don't know. The right. thing is, is when he lies, a lot of the time he just says, "Oh, I was just lying." Well, I was lying about lying that time. Yeah, and then and then what's funny too is like, so all of this, like that's what he's been doing this time, whole time. And then he goes out into the hallway and he says to the cops, he's just like. Here's my whole life story. I'm a dishonorable discharge, and I yeah. did this, and I'm just like, wow, he just gave a lot of info to the cops for, like, <laughs> no reason. He just wanted to share. He's just lonely. <laughs> he doesn't have any friends. I did think it was kind of interesting. Uh, like, I, I liked that they did this. They showed that Samuels was in the service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what we thought, I guess. Right, because Montgomery was like, oh, no, I'm in the service. You yeah. sort of think that he knows that he's not. Yeah. But he's just making, I, I like that they're like, no, he's just making an assumption because he's bigoted. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what happens when you're just a bigot. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I was enjoying that the, the detective was like very clearly, like he knew it was Montgomery. Yeah. He was just trying to figure out a way to get him, you know? Mm-hmm. This is where he says it. This is where Robert Mitchum says, I've, I've tried to like him, but he's not my type. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that line when Mitchum said it. 
it feels like he's talking about a date, but <laughs> yeah, he's he's talking about a guy. Wait, oh, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah, um, this scene has a lot of people walking. I'm watching it now. It has a lot of doors opening and mysterious guys being behind them. It's it's fun. I guess it's really only the two, but it's more than I expected generally because the front door opens and and uh, the the cop is there. You know, just like, I'm just standing behind your door. Then he walks in and then the door opens and the husband or whatever he is is hanging out there. It's like, can we stop being ominous, like hanging out behind doors? Yeah, exactly. Um, What kind of place is this? I guess I should mention, we didn't mention it before. I I, I sort of suggested it. It's subtext. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But Montgomery kills Floyd when he was like, I don't like Jews and I don't like people that like Jews. Mm -hmm. So... Now we're going to get another speech, mm-hmm. and it's from Finley, so Robert Young this time, mm-hmm. and it's about the growth of hate. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty excellent. Yeah, very good speech, and uh, I, uh, I, I'm a little conflicted on Finley's performance, Finley, yeah. Robert Young's performance up to this point. It's like so, under, I don't know, too understated, and like he's not interested. Like I get he's playing the jaded detective, but it's like he's not interested in the role sometimes. Yeah, it seems to me. And then this speech really kind of pulled everything together very nicely. Yeah, I thought so, too. What I did think was interesting. So they've got Leroy in there now because he's he's Robert Young here as Finley has come up with a plan. And uh, well, I guess Keeley and Finley kind of came up with a plan together. Right. But yeah. um, But he says, you know, he's like trying to convince Leroy to do it by being like, you know, Montgomery always made fun of you, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. because of your accent. And I'm like, does he have an accent? Yeah, I didn't notice. No I accent here. Exactly the same, but whatever. <laughs> I I also enjoyed that he was he so he tells this story about this Irish guy who gets killed and it's his dad. Yeah. And they just, and he's like they didn't see him as who he was. They saw him as a foreigner trying to rob men of jobs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how are we still having this issue? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the more things change. Yeah. 76 years ago, 76 years ago, they said in a movie that it's like clearly not the case. Immigrants aren't trying to steal your fucking job, you fucking moron, Mm -hmm. you know, and 76 years later, we still have these fucking morons that are like, they took our job, you know, and like they they've had this movie to watch, you know. Yeah, for that instance, entire for time. a long time, but they didn't watch anything that actually gave them that idea. They just continued to think it. Guess that's ignorance for you. It doesn't know it's ignorant, and it doesn't think it needs to be rectified. Yeah, Ugh, it's it's frustrating. Um, but yeah, it was a really great. Or I guess it was his grandfather, not his dad. But yeah, it was a great speech. I liked that. So he had two like really kind of long, great speeches in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're. I thought it was clear. I didn't realize what they were going for. And they said, don't, you know, don't tell the press that he's dead. Don't tell, you know, like don't announce it anywhere that he's died. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, okay. And, uh, and then I was like, oh, because they're making it seem like he's still alive. Yeah. Got it. Which is, you know, exactly what happened in Bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's apparently complex keeping, you know, fooling people plus, I don't know. I got nothing. Um, I will say Monty in this scene with Leroy it's like mm-hmm. really intimidating. Uh, actually, he's been intimidating on and off throughout the movie. I thought um, he's got a yeah. Very he good... has been. 
He's got a good presence, and he knows how to like. I can see why he got cast as villains a lot after this. Yeah, um, yeah. He because it, it's like unhinged a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not sure what he's gonna do. That kind of thing. Yeah, I I agree with you. I was just like, but in this scene, it specific, like in particular, I was mm-hmm. like kind of terrified of him. I was like yeah. really scared for Leroy. I'm like Leroy, just get out, man. Please. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna die, Leroy. It's like a slasher film, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and then we get. I'm like, where where are we going with this? That's like a weird tactic that Finley's taking here. You know? Yeah. Um. And then I'm like, oh, he gave the wrong address. Mm-hmm. This is kind of clever. Yeah. Um. The only issue that I have now is it's not really enough. Mm-hmm. You know, he like runs away. Okay, that seems guilty, but we still don't. Ha- you still don't really actually have anything. Yeah, and running then you away just is fucking not- kill him. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You just shot him know. while he was running away. Shot him but, in the street. Like, it, well, you know, again, with the more things change, the more they stay the same. They'll just you know, run away. It's like a it's like a uh, predatorial instinct. You're not supposed to run away from like a a bear because it'll chase you automatically. Yeah. If you run away from someone, they'll just shoot you, apparently. It, the killing him part of this kind of put a damper on it for me. Yeah. It's he just neat. He like, he's like, I'm not going to, like, ch- I'm not even going to bother trying to chase him. Yeah. Really. And, like, you didn't think him running was a possibility? You didn't want to station anybody outside the door? No. <laughs> not necessarily the best police work of yeah. all time, there. So, anyway, but that's the whole movie. Beginning to end, that uh, it, it ends with him getting killed. Robert uh, Robert Young there, Robert no Ryan, Robert Ryan. Robert Ryan. Ryan. This is too, too many Roberts. Um, and uh, and this is actually funny. I had kind of it's a nice it's a nice scene for a second here because some actually some good acting in my opinion from Robert Ryan is he he looks so intimidated suddenly mm-hmm. scared like for the first yeah. time ever and that kind of person i think is often scared but they mask it you know to try to right uh, they try to act tough and everything like that like tom hardy and uh, the revenant exactly and it instead not only does he not try to chase him he doesn't even leave the house he shoots him from the window like <laughs> i know that's what i mean he just breaks like, a window and shoots him out the window like yeah right. it's like the least amount of effort ever committed <laughs> not chase. and like it's just a straight. It's not like he went into an alley and it's like, oh no, we might lose him. He's just running down a normal street. It's like, okay, just shoot him then. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Well, anyway, so if the movie, it sounds almost a little bit like nothing happens, but uh, it is a short movie and uh, it seems to have a uh, straightforward plot, and then it doesn't. So I like that about it. But. Yeah, I thought it was. I, yeah, I I liked that it was um, short. I thought that was kind of nice. It, it, you could you could easily take this kind of story and uh, throw in a ton of side shit that doesn't actually add, uh, you know add to anything. But right, this kept, which is, I feel like they do that a lot too. Yeah, this kept it spare and the kind of hype, which which oh well, we'll talk about this in the rank. We're not at the rank yet, so let's let's <laughs> let's get to the rank. Yeah. All right. Oh wait. 
So the rank is where we rank the movie based on 10 categories, story, acting, originality, film coherence, cinematography, score slash soundtrack, uh, script structure and dialogue, character relatability, production value, and timelessness. So we rank it on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. And um, the first category is story, and we'll, uh, we'll let Zach start. So what do you have? I gave story an 8.5. I'm curious to see what you'll say. I thought it was a very well done story. Perhaps not. I, it's funny because I was just praising it for being like, you know, uh, streamlined. But I do feel like the story could have used a little bit more to keep the attention. Because I did find myself kind of occasionally like, where are we going with this? Um, we're presenting all these things, but I'm not positive. Like, we're, we don't have as much forward momentum as I wanted. But um, I still think it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, well, I gave it a nine. Okay, yeah, so. So we're pretty close. Um, the story surrounds a hate crime, yeah. right? Uh, a murder of a Jewish man simply because he's Jewish and the investigation that ensues from it. And considering this was 1947, I feel like this is a pretty excellent and daring story. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I didn't I, I didn't mention that, but I absolutely want to agree. I absolutely agree with you. It was kind of brief to tell i guess maybe I don't know. yeah i thought it was kind of brave um i really liked it i was i was definitely hooked and they were and they were fairly breezy with it so mm -hmm. yeah for me it was, it was really well done uh but that goes to our next category which is acting and i gave acting an eight and a half i thought the acting was really great in this yeah um Though the detective Finley, we actually talked about this, played by Robert Young, at times felt a little hammy. Yeah. Not a ton, just I don't know how to describe it. He, he seemed like he was given a little too much to do in his role. Yeah. I can um, see that. I'm wondering if Mitchum would have been able to handle it better, actually. Hmm. Switching like around they, the roles a little bit? Yeah, if they just swapped those two roles, I, I feel like Mitchum might have been able to to handle that better. And that I think Robert Young would have done well as Keeley. Um, maybe that's maybe, maybe that's why Mitchum didn't like. Maybe he wanted the other role, and he's like, man. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I did. I mean, that being said, I really did think that the acting was pretty great in it. Robert Ryan was excellently vile in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was superb. Um, I think Gloria Graham was pretty hammy as Ginny. Yeah, I can see that. Um. Again, not terrible, but also very clearly like playing a character. Um, and I don't know about Mitchell's wife also. She was kind of a little overacty at times too. So not terrible. Anyway, it's solid, really solid. What do you have yeah, for it? I thought I thought Mitchell's wife was generally pretty good. A little bit a little bit better than Gloria Graham even, but that's okay. Um, I gave it a nine and a half, so I like the acting even a little bit better than you did. Um, I think that was a little bit of a... a, a, a a, a, a mark of the times. That's a horrible way to say that, but I think that's that was ex what was expected of actors a little bit more back then, like to really emote, um, a little bit less naturalistic. So I might have just written off a lot of that. Um, but yeah, everybody was really good and really engaging. It's I, I mentioned the story didn't have quite as much momentum as I wanted, but it was kind of okay because the acting was was engaging. And we'll talk about another aspect that I liked about it in a minute. To, yeah, I agree with you. I think um, I think the acting really, 
I, I think if you have poor acting in this, it's it could be oh, like a really yeah. terrible film. <laughs> like what the fuck am I watching? This is <laughs> this is um, stupid. But uh, you know, I I thought everybody, buddy was, I, I I everybody was it was important. I can't fuck it. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> Let's just leave it away. You said it was good. I thought now, the acting was, what was really this? good throughout. Yeah. What was the score you gave it? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yeah. Okay. So next category is originality. What do you have for that? Originality, I gave a nine. That might be way too high. I don't know, but uh, it's it's funny because it seems like it's not an original story if you just go into it without really knowing too much about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's a murder investigation. Fine. Um, it's, it's got some soldiers. They just got back from World War II. Fine. But then they add in a lot of little details that are really interesting and make it. I don't. I mean, I didn't watch. I, I've only watched a couple other movies from 1947, specifically. It's not like I don't. I didn't go. I didn't go to the, the theater much that year. I didn't have Movie Pass yet. Um, but uh, I feel like this is uh, somewhat new, I guess, and daring, like we already talked about. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, didn't have Movie Pass yet. You missed out. Um, yeah. Well, I gave originality a nine and a half. Okay, so. I was like, I was like, I hope this isn't way too high. It's just a, it's just a murder investigation. But so I'm glad <laughs> we're on the same page with that one. I just, I thought it was incredible what this movie was tried, tried to tackle in yeah. a very real, gripping, and gritty way. You know, mm-hmm. um, it had lofty goals, and I think it's pretty original for wanting to push the envelope. Yeah, so that's that's it for me. I kind of um, wish that they had included the homosexual aspect. That would have I been know. But they, they, I doubt they could, they could get that through, you know? No, no. It, it wouldn't have been celebrated. It wouldn't have been nominated. I mean, like, it would have just been like, what is this trash? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, that, that character is a pansy. Yeah. Also, I have a feeling it would have been hard to get people to act in it. Yeah, that's I also bet true. Mitchum wouldn't have taken the role. Mitchum. Imagine, um, all right, but, Mitch, imagine what he would have shot people with if he had. Yeah, exactly. Um, so on to film coherence. I gave that a 7.75. The movie was ultimately coherent. I think it really did a great job of packing a lot into a shorter runtime. You know, mm-hmm. my only issue is that I think the ending is a little messy. Mm-hmm. It's trying to be cute and clever, but I feel like it's really a big gamble to give the wrong address. And yeah. I don't know if that would have would have the payoff Finley was hoping for. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, on top of that, the fact that they killed him was way too much. Yeah. So everything up until that was excellent, but it's a huge piece, and so I just can't go too high if your climax is so lacking. So that's it. What do you have for it? Well, I, I'm I'm gonna agree. I mean, I liked it less than you did in this regard. I gave it a six point two five, which sounds wow. super low, but yeah. I think it was okay. But like I said, it just didn't. It felt meandering to me in a way that was not not coherent mm. um it makes sense eventually but it feels like it's just not going anywhere and it wasn't i wasn't like this movie's shit because it's not going anywhere <laughs> but i was like okay now we're here now we're here i don't really know exactly why we're here why are we talking to this person now and uh, i felt like it needed it needed some sort of thing to hold it together but i don't mean 6.25 in like a horrible way I mean, in just a, it could have used a little bit of work way. Yeah, you're saying it's sort of average. It's an mm-hmm. average. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. 
Um, all right, well, so let's go yeah, on. That's, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was, I was, no, okay. I was processing what you said. No, absolutely. Just per perfectly fine. Nothing out of nothing special in coherence. Right. Yeah. About as coherent as most of these movies you ever see. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So let's go to cinematography, the next category. What do you have for that? I gave that a 9.75. Um, wow. Yeah. This is probably my favorite aspect of the movie, as you could, as the score reflects even more than acting. It was the two real standouts for me. Um, I like we talked about that opening scene where the shadows don't really make physical sense. Right. That's actually okay to me because it's. I looked at it as one of these memory, you know, these one of these scenes where the character is remembering. Um, it's not presented that way, but that's the way I looked at it in retrospect. Because we get a lot of, and then I went to the bar. Let me tell you about what happened to the bar, and then we see what happened at the bar. Um, right. And we're looking back at this scene. We don't know who killed him, and it's almost through the fog of like doubt and being unsure about things. Um, we know this is the, basically the circumstances of how he died, but we don't know the specifics yet. So in our mind's eye, the upper portion of everybody is dark because we don't know who it is, that kind of thing. So I actually excused it for not, not making physical sense. And then I thought that the cinematography did a really great job, just the way they set up light and shadow, which was very film noir, which was great. And also they did a yeah, very... I like that a lot. Yeah, and they did a very good job of building tension, despite the fact there wasn't a lot of like really tense stuff happening. The combination of the actors doing a good job emoting the um, cinematography cutting back and forth in, in, in good ways. In the, I don't want to say good cutting back and forth between actors faces in interesting ways and the light and shadow being set up. It builds tension without anything happening because we're looking here, then we're looking there and this is in shadow and this, this guy's looming. This guy's, we're seeing this guy from, from above, so he looks scared. It, it did a good job, despite the fact that there was very little score in this movie, by the way. Yeah, like, there really, there really like, wasn't. Hardly Except any. for like the opening, like yeah. when you first start out, and then like when they're at the club. Yeah. So like you, you might think that being that quiet, having this kind of spare dialogue, dialogue that's kind of... Uh, characters are kind of purposefully not being 100% forthcoming. Um, it might be boring, but it actually wasn't that boring for me, even when we were going in these strange directions I wasn't sure about, because I thought it was all put together very convincingly. So, that's why I gave it such a high score. Well, I'll tell you, I gave cinematography an 8.25, but I think I'm actually going to bump it to uh, an 8.75. Did I convince you? Yeah, I love convincing. Yeah. Um, because I I really liked it, and I I think I was I was grading that opening scene too harshly. Because basically, I thought it was so fascinating the way they used light in this. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Um, it was just that the opening murder scene left so much to be desired, in my opinion. But yeah. uh, and 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 I'm not even so much convinced that that it should be viewed as like a dream type sequence. Yeah. As much as I'm convinced that like that shouldn't drag the score down that much. Yeah. Um, so. I just felt like they were definitely going for something different here. Um, and I think they did a really great job with lighting outside of that opening scene. So mm -hmm. um, that's it. I don't, I mean, I agree with everything, most everything you said there. So let's move on to score slash soundtrack. And I gave that a six and a half. Okay. I think it did a decent job of setting the noir mood, you know, mm -hmm. 
I can't really think of any moment with the score, so I guess it kind of just fades into the background for me. Didn't, yeah. Like, didn't stick out. Um, but it's better than it sticking out in a way that's obtrusive. So, yeah, there's that. What, what about you? I'll just go ahead and agree with you. I gave it a six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of is barely there, but that's okay. I think that they... It's not like I think that they forgot to put a score in or that this, they did, like, a horrible job with it. It was a conscious decision, as far as I could tell, to to keep it quiet and yeah. uh, let the actors and the uh, the visuals tell the story more than the music. Mm-hmm. Which is, which yeah, is fine. It's, yeah, it's the way to go, and I thought it actually worked well. So It did. I do think, though, that in, in like, a more modern, like, retelling of this, there would probably mm-hmm. be just sort of some hushed undertones of music to give you more yeah. of the feel, which I think does help build it more. That you know? would have been, you're absolutely right. That would have been, that would have been better, but yeah. it still wasn't horrible or anything. Right. I'm just, ex- I, I want to explain to our, uh, our listeners yeah. here why score slash soundtrack is in there, because I do think it is an important part of the movie where you're telling the story in so many different ways here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so Anyway, let's go to script structure, script script structure and dialogue. Jesus, <laughs> what do you have for that? I gave that a seven and a half, which is higher than my film coherence score, um, because of the. I thought the dialogue was really good. The script structure, a little bit less so. Um, it was clever in a lot of ways, but I already talked about how it didn't totally work for me in every way. But the dialogue was generally pretty excellent. Um, even when characters were being, you know, uh, deceptive or not forthcoming, um, they did it in an interesting way, and it did a very good. Job. There were a lot of really clever, memorable lines, which is funny because I don't, I never heard of this movie, so it's not like I knew right. any of these lines. But uh, it's kind of a shame that people don't like. A lot of them are really fun and memorable. So, so congratulations on that, writer, whoever you yeah. are. John Paxton. John Paxton, you, you dog, you. I don't Not to be confused with John Paxson. Yeah, it's a different person, Daniel. That's a Chicago bull. Um, so I, I have to say this is fascinating because I gave the exact same score as you, oh. seven and a half. Yeah. But listen to this, how what I wrote for my stuff here. The structure yeah. of this is sound, uh-huh. except the ending, as yeah. discussed. But the yeah. dialogue is kind of weak. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> so we just went exactly we went the opposite. opposite. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it's fun. Not, and it's not all of it. It's just that it's very clear that it's trying to preach to the audience, yeah. which is fine. But I think because of that, it, it feels like unrealistic dialogue. So there, there are, I think there's just too many speeches, or the speeches go on too long. I don't know yeah. which, it, which it is. And right. also the speeches tend to not sound like real conversation. <laughs> That's true. So... That being said, I really liked it. So I'm not like I. Yeah. It's not that I'm saying that that's. I just think the dialogue is left wanting a little bit in this. That's all. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> so I just think it's funny that we were like seven and a half for opposite reasons. Yep. Um, so well, together, I guess it averages up to a seven and a half. So. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So um, the care. Let's go on to character relatability in the next category, and I gave that a nine. Mm-hmm. Is we got very strong character work here. Yeah. Um, I think it can relate to every character in this movie, except maybe Ginny's husband, because yeah. he, <laughs> he was so weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I think everyone was unique and well done. So um, that's really all I've got to say. What do you have for character relatability? I, I gave it a nine. Um, everybody was oh, great. Even the, even the characters I didn't like, I understood where they were coming from and who they were. Right. Exactly. 
great job because, like I said, the writing was good and the acting was good. So I, I don't know what Robert Mitchum was talking about. I thought he did a great job. So. I thought so, too. I'm like, man, kind of shit on yourself a little bit here because I thought you were excellent. Yeah, same. So whatever. And even even um, whoever played uh, Robert uh, – was it, which Robert played Finley? I can't remember. Robert, Robert Young. Young. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why. It's just too many. Too many Roberts. Um, too many Roberts. It sounds like a movie that we need to make. Too many we, Roberts. I, it, you know what? <laughs> our studio is making. If our studio <laughs> is going to make the shadow of the shadow of the claws, we can make too many Roberts. <laughs> exactly. We'll we'll specialize in weird behind the scenes meta movies. Meta movies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, no, even I I thought he was a little boring. Like at the beginning and just like underdoing it, but then at the end, I thought yeah. he turned turned it on well at the end. So uh, even I, I don't mean even him, he sucked. But like I even I didn't love his performance at first, but it very much grew on me as the movie went on. So yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so I gave uh, or no, the next category yeah. <laughs> is production value. So what do you have for that? I gave production value a six point five. I don't know. Why I said six point five, but not six and a half. I thought it was fine. I don't really. I didn't really know what to give it. It, it. Like they barely needed to do anything, you know. Like this could have been a stage play, and there'd be no scenery, basically, you know. Except yeah, like to, ex- except to indicate that we are in a new place. Like, oh, we're in the bar now, again, from another person's memory. Yeah, I don't know. I I actually I gave it an eight point seven five. I thought the production value was pretty high on this. I really thought oh. they did a lot with a little, oh. and and the sets were nice. Okay. <laughs> I feel, feel stupid now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I got what you were saying. I, I, I can see your point of view on there, your perspective. What were you going to say, though? Sorry. I was going to say, I was trying to think if I wanted to put it up a little bit, because I think your point about them doing, you know, not having much, but not it didn't take away from anything, so that's true. Yeah, I never felt like I was watching a movie set, which I thought was kind of pretty good, considering it was very clearly a movie. Like, it would clearly have to be a movie set. I think, yeah. I, I think that this was definitely filmed on a lot, you know, especially if yeah. it was done in 24 days. Um, but uh, I felt like I was in a city, you know, I just felt like I was in a real city. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bump mine up to seven, at least, you know, it's still, still a bit low, but just because they didn't have to do anything impressive. Right. But uh, yeah, I gave it way too, I gave it too low because I was like, oh, well, that's okay. So um, let's go to the final category here, which is timelessness. And I, I get to go first for this one. Yay yeah, for me. Um, yeah. So this is obviously a really hard yeah. category for this movie. Uh, I gave it a six. Okay. So I'm giving it a six because I think we all know that this movie is not remembered by the general general public, right? <laughs> yeah. But it, and so it means it probably should be lower, right? Yeah. But I want to give it a boost because I think that it maybe should be more remembered yeah. for tackling such a daring subject in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think like, I think that it got buried by this the red scare, you know, bullshit that was going on. Which is um, not fair because it's not reflective of the movie at all. So Exactly. So, you know, it's an aspirational six. Mm-hmm. What, what about you? What do you have? Well, you're going to laugh. At first, I gave it a four because just flat out, it's not remembered. So tough. Right. Right. But then I thought to myself, 
but I wish it was. This is pretty good. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this is so good. Like, it should be remembered. So I gave it a six. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's really funny. I started out with a five, actually. Oh, did you? Oh, well, I started out with a four. So Yeah. Well, because I was thinking about it, I, I looked at... Um, I was thinking, I, I knew that uh, for... Was it the Aviator? I think. Yeah, I gave it like a I gave it like a three and a half for the Aviator, and I'm like, I don't know, can I really give this one higher than higher that? Higher than the Aviator, yeah, but but it's so much better. It really opinion. is, you know. Like, yeah, this is a, this is the kind of thing I wouldn't like people to see the timelessness score being bad and thinking, oh, I don't need to watch this. I, I think you should watch it. It's good. Yeah, exactly. I I completely agree with you. Well, let's see how it did. Um, What'd she do? How'd she fare? Well, she got a 159.75, mm-hmm. which put her... I feel weird calling this a her. Put the movie um, <laughs> 0.15 higher than Ray, mm-hmm. uh, but below The Bishop's Wife and Spotlight. So The Bishop's Wife remains the number yeah. one movie. I actually thought it had a chance to... Uh, I thought it did too, actually. To be better than than the bishop's wife, I'm I'm not sure that I think the bishop's wife is better, but it's 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 recency bias too because I I really thought this was good. I did too, actually. I thought it would it would come out ahead. Not that I'm like that mad it didn't, but um, it's definitely better than Ray for whatever it's worth. Yeah, I thought it was better than Ray. I I'm trying to think like where did it fall off? And fall I off think for the bishop. Yeah. I think score slash soundtrack. Yeah. That was a big one for the Bishop's Wife. We both really liked that. Yeah. And then Timelessness. You know, you gave a high, really high score for Timelessness, and mine wasn't as high as yours, but definitely higher than yeah. Crossfire. So that's I guess that's kind of, I guess that's kind of fair because people do remember. Doesn't make sense. You know, yeah, it's not reflective of what should necessarily be the case, but it is. What are you gonna do? Well, that's it. We've uh, we've ranked Crossfire. Um, I was honestly really excited to go over this one with you because I was like, this is like an out of a nowhere movie, right? This is nothing yeah. I'd ever heard of. So um, it took me forever to actually sit down and watch it because I was like, eh, this doesn't look interesting. Like it's fine. It looks fine. I'm sure, but it doesn't look interesting. And then it is interesting. So that's don't, yeah. let, that, don't let that dissuade you. Well, and for me, you know what it was for me, what, what turned me around on it? I was like, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll watch it. And then, but oh. When I saw that it was an hour and 25 minutes, I was like, well, shit, it's not fine. I can do an hour and 25 minutes. And you know? I'm not wasting whole afternoons of my life. Right, exactly. So, um, and I thought that might be a selling point for you. That's why I was like, it's only an hour and 25 <laughs> minutes. Just get it over with, man. Yeah. Um, I didn't, because I didn't want to be like, it's really good. Yeah, that would have, that would have it. Yeah. Well, I never want to do that with, with our stuff here anyway, no, yeah, because absolutely. I don't want to, um, but yeah, then I knew it would just, but I knew if I said that, you'd be like, well, I'm not fucking watching this thing ever. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. Check us out next week when we're, ma- when we're ranking, when we're it's- ranking Starship Troopers. <laughs> Starring Casper Van Dien and directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, 1997 movie. I'm, I'm, I have to say, I am actually like really excited to watch this. It'll be interesting, if nothing else, because I don't think we've seen it since 1997. Right. That's exactly why I'm, like, really excited about it. I'm like, 
I'm so curious how this is going to hold up to my memory of it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Now, if the action movie series isn't your thing, if you really you you come here every two weeks to listen to the uh, to the best picture nominees, um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Fine if you don't want to listen to the action movie one, but uh, join us in two weeks. The next movie in our best picture series is going to be Gentleman's Agreement, the 1947 best picture winner, starring Gregory Peck, Dorothy McGuire, and John Garfield, and directed by Elliot Kazan. Goodbye, and don't get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> <laughs>